Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... He's driving us to the shore, and we're going, I'm fine. And he's like, no, you're not. I had to pull you out of the water. So if I dump you back in the water, then I'm just going to have to do it again. So as Christians, let's remember this. If you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ. You are sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ, okay? And on the ship of life, you're probably going to fall on board, but not overboard. But sometimes we are fighting God in the process of this journey to this place we call heaven. The text we're studying today isn't an excuse for sin or laziness. It's a positive statement of the Holy Spirit's continuous work in the life of the believer. Pastor Jim explains it like this. God didn't save you and put you out on your own. He continually saves you. If you were drowning and thrown a life preserver, that act saved you. Well, as you're being pulled to shore, you're still being saved. Christian, you can count on the fact that God's Word has a beginning, it will continue, and it will be completed. Now let's open our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 as we join Pastor Jim for part 2 of his message entitled, Joyful Assurance. We'll have more information about the church and how you can get a copy of today's message. But for now, here's Pastor Jim. That proved that the good work had begun in them. Now, if you're here today and you are a Christian, can you tell me how that good work began? For some of you, you were raised in the church. And ever since you were a little kid, you, you remember that this has just been it. I just, I just remember. And, and, you know, you should be thankful for that. Others, maybe you're raised in the church, but you went the prodigal route. You had that season where you thought you knew better than God. And then all of a sudden, when you realized the world owed you nothing, slammed in the side of the head like the prodigal son, everybody loved him when he had, was buying the drinks, but nobody loved him when he ran out of money. And now you've come back. But you realize not only did you come back to God, but God came back to you because he was a loving father waiting for you. Perhaps some of you, you came into the kingdom relatively easy. I don't know many of you, but you came into the kingdom relatively easy. You were just like, hmm, I think I want to believe. I think I want to find out what's going on. I want to hear more stuff about this. I want to learn the Bible. I want somebody to explain it to me. And you just showed up and you came and now you're a follower of Jesus. Ah, but many of you, and I don't know why I think this is why God has called me into the ministry, but many of you came in kicking and screaming. That's me, right? Like a raccoon who spills over the garbage can, dragging the food away. God, that's the way God took me into the kingdom of heaven. He had to knock me over, then pull it out, pull out what was any decency, I guess, and drag me down the road into the kingdom of God. Now, maybe you're here and you don't have the war stories that I have for the first 29 years of my life. You know what? That's what some people call them, but they're really stories of shame. They're stories of knowing that the things that I was doing that was wrong and not really caring about God, but coming to the conclusion, coming to the place that God actually cared about me. Why would God care about me? Because he's loving. He's not moody. He's not performance-based. He's grace-based, and he just simply loves people. 
So no matter where you have come in to the kingdom of God, you have a testimony of God's grace. And if you have not come into the kingdom of God, that opportunity is waiting at the door of your heart. Perhaps you're here today and you're beginning to hear the voice of the Lord. Uh, Please don't try and fight him. Like those of us dragged in, you realize you will lose. It's kind of like going up against a sumo wrestler when you weigh 110 pounds. It's just not going to happen. You will lose. You will be exhausted. But please, please, friend, don't believe the lie. You say, what's the lie? The lie is that you have to begin the good work. Don't believe that. You're even here today because God is at work. Nice day to sleep in, but God is at work. And please don't believe the lie that you have to fix yourself up before you come to God. That is just anti-Bible. It is completely false. And if you believe that, you will never make heaven. No, friend, God begins the good work. You don't have to be good enough. You just have to be humble enough to realize that you need help. So God's work in you can have a new beginning today, simply given to God and give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not ready, I would encourage you not just to make this the only day you came, but to keep coming, to keep listening, and to keep hearing the voice of God call out to you. Well, number two, after telling us that God's work had a beginning, the point when they began to believe, and again, this is for followers of Jesus Christ. This is a letter written to church people. Uh, Number two, God's work in you will always continue. God's work in you will always continue. Now, I got lost in this in the last service, and I almost think that I'm going to get so lost here again that I probably will never get to point three, so don't worry about it. Um, Because here's the point in time where I don't necessarily think this is the most important part, but I think this is the part where most Christians fall, stumble, or struggle with. That God's work in you will always continue. Again, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very good thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. He will complete it. Dare I say that if you understand this concept, this will revolutionize your concept of God. This will dramatically change your Christian walk. Now, let's just say what this verse is not, and this concept is not. This is not an excuse for sin. This is not an excuse for laziness. Rather, this is a positive statement of the Holy Spirit's continuous work in the life of a believer. Do we understand it? God didn't save you and then just put you out on your own. He has promised to continue to save you. We use the illustration many times before of let's say you're drowning and you know, somebody throws you a life preserver. That's, that's your salvation. God saved you. Well, then you get on the boat. You still got to go to shore. If you're out in the middle of the ocean, God is saving you. You've been saved, but he's saving you. And then when you get on the shore, you have been saved. And so here's what we have here. Now we've been plucked out of the water. Jesus has the lifeguard has saved us, right? And now we're on the boat and we're being taken to the shore. We're being taken to heaven. And so one thing we have to realize when we read the Bible, and you have to read the Bible, you just can't come here. You have to read it. And one thing, if you read it carefully, especially in the Old Testament, which a lot of people avoid, is that God doesn't give up on his people. He doesn't give up on his people. He doesn't let his people go. He is hard-pressed to gather a group of people to perfect his people in Jesus Christ, and that is meant to give his people joyful assurance. In other words, I can be assured 
I'm going to heaven because I know that God is at work in my life. Now, very few Christians experience this. Very few Christians experience this. And uh, sadly to say that most who try and say they do, most people think he's full of baloney. (laughs) Because we don't understand some basic concepts that I get the feeling like if we could review them every week, that it would be fine. That we would really come to a, a greater appreciation of what grace is and of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Now, it seems to me, as I look around, as I even examine my own heart, the problem is that we don't enter into the process. It's like God puts us on the boat, he's driving us to the shore, and we're going, I'm fine. And he's like, no, you're not. I had to pull you out of the water. So if I dump you back in the water, then I'm just going to have to do it again. So as Christians, let's remember this. If you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ, you are sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ, okay? And on the ship of life, you're probably going to fall on board, but not overboard. But sometimes we are fighting God in the process of this journey to this place we call heaven. And so we're fighting God. We're trying to do good works so God likes us instead of being energized to do good works. We get lazy. We allow sin patterns to just overrun our lives and we're not truly following God the way that he would have us to do it. And here's a big problem in the church in America. It is huge. We put God into our hyper-busy schedules. We take whatever we want to do with God, we have this crazy schedule, and now we're adding something else in. That's why some of you are here today, you're a guest, you're like, hey, you know, this church thing is not so bad, some upbeat music, the coffee was really good, free bagels, the pastor talks too long, he's a little weird, uses hands, yells too much, I don't know what to make of him, but I can't fit any more into my life. But you know, there's always going to be stuff crowding you out, right? Always stuff crowding you out. And so the thing is that God doesn't want to be on our schedule. He wants to be Lord over our schedule. He wants us to be involved in every place that we go. And so what happens to us when we add God to our schedule? Instead of being energized in God, we're exhausted in God. We're absolutely exhausted because we're outside of God. Why? Because we've made a mistake about the work of God in our lives. Listen to the way Paul put it to the Galatians. I love this guy. He goes, are you so foolish? What's he saying? (laughs) Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit when you became a Christian, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? I mean, do you really think that you got out of the boat, you started swimming, was dragging the boat behind you? right? He's saying, you didn't start this way. You're not going to continue this way and you're not going to finish this way. I often say to people that it's like, well, I know I'm going getting to heaven. I go, how'd you get here? They're like, well, uh, my mother brought me here. I go, who's going to bring you out of here? Uh, I I don't know. We didn't get ourselves here and we're not going to get ourselves out of here. But we have to hold what we talk about here all the time, these gospel tensions, we have to hold them. Now, when we talk about attention, you know, a lot of, I know the engineers are going to be like, ah, this is a bad example. All right, that's all right. Um, it doesn't mean the tensions are equal, right? So people say, you know, uh, we say that, that God does the work and we have a personal responsibility. It doesn't mean that it's equal. If God doesn't work, it's never happening, no matter how responsible you are. We all know overly responsible people who God's not active in their life, so, so nothing is happening. But there's a tension, In one sense, we have to remember as a Christian, as a Christian, God 
loves you in Jesus Christ. Now, we're out telling everybody God loves you, all right? But for a Christian, how does he love you? In, in Jesus Christ. That little word in is huge. It's important. So what does that mean if God loves you in Jesus Christ? That God's love for you is not dependent on you. That God's love for you, Christian, is dependent on God's love for Jesus. Now let me just say something to you. And I really want you to just take a minute and think about it. Take a second and think about it. If you're a believer, God loves you no matter what. God loves you in Jesus Christ no matter what. You know, some of the parents in this room have had the, had the horrible experience of a prodigal child just go crazy off the rails. And somebody might, who has no idea what it's like to be a parent would say this, why don't you just forget that kid? And your answer is what? I love that kid no matter what. And Christian, that's the way God loves you. But you won't experience that love if you're not following him. And you will experience the consequences of sin if you don't follow him, but he will still love you. You see, God's not moody. God's not conditional. So if you break the law, he still loves you. Might you get in trouble? Yes. Yes. In the context of Philippians 1, the good work that God began in the Philippian church was for service. So the grace of God qualifies men and women for the work of the kingdom of God. But please hear me on this. That work doesn't make God love you more. We got it? That work is designed to help you love him more. That work is designed to help tell other people how much God loves them. And that work is designed to help you depend on him more. I really never had to depend on God more than when I became a pastor. I mean, it's just this heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching thing of watching so many people, right, just do what seems to be right in their own eyes and just, just really forget so many things that we have all learned together. Now, this whole process of God at work after our salvation, theologians call sanctification, which we typically call as you becoming more like Jesus Christ. Now, in the context of this letter, it is that they are becoming more Christ-like, so Christ-likeness spreads throughout the earth. And that's a big part of what God wants to do with us, guys. He wants to make us more Christ-like, so Christ-likeness spreads through Northwest New Jersey. Not weirdness, not being just so quirky different that, you know, nothing wrong with being quirky. That's the way God made us. That's okay. But so Christ-likeness is seen by people. You know, Jesus was like that. That's why the religious people couldn't stand him. He was so, like the kids would say, he's so chill, right? And the normal people were like, we kind of like him. We kind of like him. 
Now you say, that sounds really great. I, I want to be more like Jesus, right? Anybody see a big glaring problem with that? Any of you selfish? Just a quick show of hands. Any of you selfish, right? The others are liars. You see, guys, that's why this only positive message is, dare I be so bold to say, anti-Christ. This job skills, or not job skills, but successful Christian living, living, like having a life Christian coach for you, you know, four weeks of this, four weeks of that, four weeks of this, that's why I think it's anti-Christ. Why? Because some of you have been a lot more than four weeks of a good parent, your kid has still gone off the rails. And you know how defeating that is for some people? You see, the gospel is not four weeks of doing this and everything will turn out fine. The gospel is this, four years, 14 years, 40 years of doing this and God's grace will give you a love for that kid that no prodigal off the rails kid will ever be able to stop. That's the gospel. That's becoming Christ-like. That's sanctification. And sanctification takes place actually. I wish it was like, oh, ta-da, I'm more like Jesus today. That's not how it takes place. Sanctification takes place when we see how unchristlike we really are and we turn to him for help. And we turn to him for help. We're not okay with our unchristlikeness. We're actually very uncomfortable with it. And we turn to him for help. True loving relationship is transparent, right? Those of you who are married, if you only talk about the business decisions of marriage, you're like, I thought it would be more than this. You have to be transparent. And sometimes, oftentimes, God has to be transparent with us. And so maybe instead of when God convicts you of some sin or something that you're not doing in your life, Maybe instead of that, maybe you and I should see it as an opportunity. You see, God is not mean. God is not trying to make you have a low opinion of yourself. God is teaching us to rely on him. I mean, it's like riding a bike. Once we get overconfident, those of you who taught a kid to ride a bike, once that kid gets overconfident, what's happened? He's going down, right? <laughs> and so God lets us fall. Why? So we start trusting in him instead of ourselves. So the Apostle Paul is teaching the Philippian church here, as just as we depended on God to save us, we have to depend upon the Lord to sustain us. But that doesn't mean we do nothing. The Apostle Paul was confident that God was at work because the Philippian church was at work, having answered the call of God to be Christ-like to the world around them. You can do that at your job. You can do that at your school, kids, young students. You can do that at the playground. You can do that anywhere. Donald Carson, one of my favorite Bible, New Testament Bible scholars, said this. This is this is a pretty uh, obvious sentence. He says, people do not drift towards holiness. Have you noticed that? <laughs> that is not my drift. You're like, you're a pastor. Well, I'm human. Okay, that is not my drift. People don't drift towards holiness, and then he says, apart from, very important term, grace-driven effort. Not effort, grace-driven effort. The effort is based in the fact that God is good, that God has forgiven me, that God is at work. So as I work, as you work, God is at work. 
Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate towards godliness. I mean, do you, did you wake up this morning and say, oh, I think I'll have a godly day. I don't think so. We don't gravitate towards prayer. Is that what you, I mean, I gravitate towards the coffee pot in the morning when I wake up. They don't gravitate towards obedience to scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. He says, no, we drift towards compromise, and we call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience, and we call it freedom. We drift towards superstition, and we call it faith. If you're here, it's because God is at work. It's because you responded to God's work by being here. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, friend, hear this. Never doubt that he is at work. Never. Never. No matter how it's going, no matter how good it might be, no matter how bad it might be, he is at work. One Bible commentator put it this way. He is busy putting the finishing touches on you. That's what he's doing. You are not an experiment. God doesn't do experiments. We experiment with stuff. You're not an experiment. Your life is not an accident. I don't care what your science teachers in school tell you. You are not a random accident. God has a purpose. God has a plan. And no matter what happens to you, all of that falls under his purpose and in his plan. Let me give you an example of that from one of Pam and I's friends when we were dating. In fact, I like her. I think she said, you should marry that guy. <laughs> we had a friend who was quite sick in the hospital in New York City. And um, the doctors had told her that they, had, they couldn't do anything about it. She had an incurable disease. It was very rare. They didn't know what to do. Time was limited. That was like 26 years ago. She's still alive. They were wrong. Anyway, the nurse came to her. She got to be friends with the nurse, one of the nurses. And she came to her. And, you know, and the nurse, she's trying to share God, Christ, with the, with the nurse. And the nurse is like, you know, well, you're sick. I mean, he's not helping you. He's not doing it, whatever. She was trying, she was trying, she was trying. And then one day, the nurse comes to her and she says, um, I know something that I'm not supposed to tell you. So our friend, being a sinful Christian, said, well, then tell me. <laughs> Do tell, all right? And so she said, there's someone, one of your kind of Bible people here in the hospital on the floor above. So she says, well, who is it? She says, I'm not supposed to tell you. So our friend says, like a sinful Christian, do tell, do tell, right? So she says, um, it's the Reverend Billy Graham. So my friend says, well, you know, I've seen him on television before. You know, things are not going great for me here. I'd love to... Uh, meet him. So they put her in the wheelchair and they sinfully take her upstairs, get past the security with her nurse's badge, and they go in and see Billy Graham. So Billy was really tired, really run down, really run down, been traveling around, preaching and just, you know, having some issues. And so my friend got to spend a, a few moments with him. He was really, really tired. And uh, our friend says, she says, I brought my Bible. Would you autograph it? So Billy Graham takes his, I've been, you know, you know, I've been honored. You know? so, so he takes it and he writes just simply this, God bless you, Billy Graham. He abbreviates Philippians, P-H-I-L. We always use that abbreviation, 116. 
So what was, what was Billy, she had told Billy Graham her story. What was Billy telling her? That you're here in the hospital. It seems like God isn't doing anything. But I want you to know, God is at work. He started a good work. He's continued a good work. I know it doesn't seem like that now, but he's doing a work in you. Well, thanks for joining us today for this edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney, the teaching pastor of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We want to be sure to tell you that today's message from the book of Philippians and many others are available on CD for a suggested donation of any amount. To get your copy of today's message from Pastor Jim, just call us at Changed by Love at 973-659-3380. The only information you need is the date you heard this program. Again, that number is 973-659-3380. Or send us an email. That address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And when you call or email us to place your order, please let us know how God is using Changed by Love in your life. It's always a great blessing to hear how God is using the teaching of His Word in your lives. To learn more about Changed by Love, visit changedbyloveradio.com. There you'll find an archive of past messages and a secure option to donate if you would like to help support this ministry. Again, the web address is changedbyloveradio.com. That's changedbyloveradio.com. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. That's next time on Changed by Love.